0: Previously on At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz.
1: I looked at my watch and realized (laughs) it's time to go. How numb my butt was. (laughs) Uh, Hello,
2: everyone. (laughs) We're back. I'm Lou Katz Hello? welcoming you. Is anyone there? We certainly hope at least someone is welcoming you to another in our series of entertainment podcasts. Oh, is that what it is? It's supposed to be entertaining. Yeah, right. And now turning yet another page in that terribly pathetic <laughs> end right. of a mediocre television That's career, me. please welcome Arch Campbell. Thank you, thank
1: you very much. And that, of course, is the line I steal from Willard Scott the pathetic end. ...of a mediocre career, but here we are. And this is a, like a special show. We have a lot of stuff to talk about and shout-outs. And uh, the first shout-out I think should be uh, discussing the Emmys Uh, because this comedy show, Fleabag, has gotten everybody's attention. And I happen to have seen Fleabag, and I like it. I think it's very cutting-edge. It stars this woman, Phoebe Waller-Bridge... She breaks the fourth wall. She's always talking to us in the audience. Right. And there's two seasons of it. In the second season, she's a young single girl, woman in London, and she's struggling with her life. There's a lot of sex in it, and there's a lot of harshness, but uh, you learn why she's so messed up. And in the second season, she finds somebody to love, and he's a priest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> She's dating the priest, and every now and then she'll turn to us in the audience and say something, and then the priest will say, "Who are you talking to? What? What? What are you doing?" The priest will say, do- "Amen." <laughs> See, Archie, you got me when you mentioned the
2: sex part, and then you brought the priest in. <laughs> I
1: mean, so that I mean, that's that's what I'm talking about. They are really pushing the envelope. So, I think a big shout out to Fleabag and to Phoebe Waller Bridge. Also, like that, Barry uh, got Bill Hader best comedy actor yet again, and uh, and there is another show called Pose that won an award for Billy Porter, who hmm. showed up in this this outrageous outfit. He had the big hat on; he looked like the hat was making a left turn. I think it's something to watch, and he's somebody to watch, Billy Porter. And I like that they uh, they honored Chernobyl. Which we had talked about on mm-hmm. this show. So, all of those things are, are worth watching uh, Fleabag, Barry, Pose, and Chernobyl. And uh, the other thing, uh, Game of Thrones, I never got into, and it's it was North, over North anyway. Diary, so, right. so, okay.
2: So, what did you think of the show with mine as the host? I didn't have a chance to see it because I was it out was of the It was
1: terrible. It was the worst award show ever presented on television. Wow. They didn't have a host, they had some voiceover announcer making kind of funny remarks. Oh, and here's so-and-so. He puts his trousers on one leg at a time. It was awful. Huh. It was a- poorly written, poorly... It's just Well, I know the ratings showed it.
2: I, yeah. I, I heard it was just over 6 million people. First time uh. that show had ever drop uh, into single digits with an audience size.
1: So. The other thing is the Emmy Awards, the only broadcast show that got anything was uh, Saturday Night Live. Hmm. Other than that... Nothing on broadcast. And uh, it just says to me that the networks have turned everything over to, uh, to the streaming services. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard, to, hard to, to watch that happen. But what are you going to do? I do want to give a shout out to Downton Abbey, which won the box office last week and knocked down competition from Brad Pitt and Sly Stallone. And that just shows that you can make a movie for grown-ups and that grown-ups will respond. And speaking of that, this is a big day for the show. We have a third guest yes. in the studio.
3: Unfortunately, I have to sit under the table. <laughs> well, we I aren't... can't see you guys, but I'm assuming this is still on the We're air. We're down in this
1: bunker. And ladies and gentlemen, this is Bill Newcott, Yay! the Chief. Movie critic for the Saturday Evening Post.
3: How pitiful. I'm applauding myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's that kind of show. (laughs) And uh, a longtime guy at AARP. And you are the man who invented movies for grown-up. The phrase.
3: In my laboratory.
1: Well, thank you for the invention. And uh, it's interesting you're here in studio with us because... Just this week, Downton Abbey proved that again, that a grown-up movie can find an audience.
3: Yes, and this is this is something I've been saying for 20 years now, and, this, and the studios will back me up on this. The most reliable movie audience is the 50-plus movie audience. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who still go to the theater, who keep a movie in the theaters. I, I'll, I'll bet you, come Thanksgiving, Downton Abbey will still be in theaters. Yeah. Because people will be... Coming back with their friends and they'll see it again and
1: We watched all of Downton Abbey, my wife and I. We never missed an episode. And I wanna know what happens during the Depression. Yeah. And then what happens during World War Two.
3: You know kids are gonna come from London to see yeah. the Blitz and yeah. stay at Downton Abbey. I think they're setting us up for that. I think, for one thing, they're preparing us to spend a lot more time with the younger characters. I mean, mm-hmm. already, well, there's a surprise towards the end that yeah. indicates we're going—we're yeah. not going to have all those older characters for long. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, you
1: What do you mean? I thought I was immortal.
0: The <laughs>
1: so, spoiler and, alert. And given, and
3: given, <laughs> given that, yes, I think they're preparing us for a long haul. But I, think, I mean, given how much money it's yeah. making.
1: So you're a fan of Downton Abbey as well, as well because oh, I am episode. as well. This week at the movies, Ad Astra opened with Brad Pitt proving once again that science fiction rarely catches on.
3: It did, did it not have a good weekend at the box uh, you
1: know, it had a mediocre yeah. weekend.
3: Yeah. Uh, it's a spectacular movie, man. That that is a good looking. Looks like fiction. 2001. It does. I think we've had this discussion, mm-hmm. in that it may be the best looking space movie since
1: 2001. I found that. Uh, the adventure was pretty good. Mm-hmm. The things that Brad Pitt did. And you know, they're sending him to Neptune to look for his father. Kind of like At least uh, they
3: didn't send him to Uranus. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you. Insert, I'd like to, insert joke here. <laughs> I'd like to congratulate you for beating me to that.
1: Once he finds his father though, it kinda runs out of gas. I think And that and that's
3: been a problem with that movie. That movie was made like two years ago. And they mm-hmm. pulled it back because audiences hated whatever the original ending was. Wow. And I guess they reshot it and it, if this is better, I guess so be it.
1: Uh, this week, Renee Zellweger opens as Judy in Judy Garland. You put me onto this movie. You, This was yeah. one you've been looking forward mm-hmm. to. Yeah.
3: And it's it's the old... I mean, she's very yeah. good. She is really good. And you know, you just, you just see it in her eyes. She's been chomping at the bit to play this part ever since her career disappeared or something. But and it's that classic, you know. She was sitting at her home one day. You can just mm-hmm. see the image of her and her in her boa, her <laughs> oh, feather boa, and oh. with the phone to her assistant who's like doing her nails. Saying, I must, I must get another Oscar. <laughs> what will get me an Oscar? I think Judy. I'll play Judy. That's it. She,
1: Judy she does the singing, Renee Zellweger does. does the singing, and she really captures Judy Garland at the end of her life when she didn't quite have the voice mm-hmm. she had. And, you know, that's that's an accomplishment right there. What happened to Renee Zellweger, anyway? The, where has she been the last seven or eight years?
3: I just read an interview with her in Time magazine. I get paper <laughs> Time magazine delivered mm-hmm. to my house. <laughs> And, and the back page is an interview with Renee Zellweger, and uh-huh. they just they just say to her, "So you 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 gave up acting for seven years, right?" And she says, "Yes, I did." And that's all they say.
1: Really? Yeah. Well, it's a great, This is a great comeback. It
3: has to do with her age. I mean, it absolutely uh-huh. has to mm-hmm. do. And we get back to this movies for grown ups thing, where
1: she's Hollywood in her forties now. I guess Hollywood
3: does not have good roles for women in their forties and into their fifties. You can play the, you can still play the ingenue, and then you can play the feisty grandma, and in between, there's not a lot. So people like Renee Zellweger have to make their own business. You know, they make their own movie.
1: I wanted to ask you to come over and sit in with us today, and this is again <laughs> breaking the third wall. We have a third guest in here. This is really great for us.
2: Yep, it is Bill Newcott in our Hound Radio Studios today.
1: You're back from the Toronto Film Festival. Yes. And what can you tell us? Because that is one of the indicators of the award uh, nominees that are coming. What have you seen? What did you see at Toronto that you're really excited about?
3: Toronto shows exactly how the movie industry has changed over the just the past couple of years. They used to call it a 24-hour film festival because hmm. they show an unsold movie on Wednesday night uh uh-huh. Three o'clock in the morning, the producers would get a phone call from a distributor saying, we're going to buy that. Here's $10 million. <laughs> Doesn't happen anymore. Movies mm-hmm. come and go all the way through Toronto, and still, some of the best movies of Toronto uh, don't have a distributor yet. So, we, we don't have to talk about them, because no one can see them. Wow. But I saw Joker, which is opening this week. Right. So, that one, had, obviously, was sold, and... Uh, uh, the audience was as, as, had a mind like I did. They, they loved the performance by Joaquin Phoenix, and they loved the look of it. Todd Joker
1: Phyllis. is already getting some controversy, though. Yeah. They're pushing back on the violence of it and the darkness of it, and mm-hmm. particularly in this season of all of the uh, mass shootings. Uh, I understand that Aurora, Colorado, has uh, mm-hmm. asked uh, Warner Brothers to tone it down and... Warner says they're standing by the product.
3: It's unrelenting violence, and it's it's violence that has no pushback within the movie. Mm-hmm. The character is just this ultra-violent kind of guy. I mean, sort of like Clockwork Orange, but mm-hmm. even at the end of Clockwork wow. Orange, Malcolm McDowell's character faces some comeuppance for what happened. This is just an ascent into... It's how he becomes the
1: villain who right. fights Batman. Right. And but we no, don't see Batman. There's anymore. no
3: Batman. We see actually we see Bruce Wayne as a small child, right. which brings up an interesting age difference between him and Batman. <laughs> and, and the joke is like twenty five years older huh. than Bruce Wayne. But he's there's just he's just a, a cameo. Uh, it's just a bad guy who's who has had a bad childhood. So that's his explanation. So he's a bad of, guy doing bad things. And you supposed of Batman, to Batman.
1: It's Batman. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's
3: a scene at the end with, you know, De Niro, Robert De Niro, who plays the t- a talk show host, which is as if Rupert Pupkin from the King of Comedy got a TV show and, and sustained his career for 30 years. Uh, it's kind of breathtaking. It, I mean, what happens in that scene will knock the air out of you and nothing comes of it. There's It's just like it's just part of this continued ascent into mega villainhood. And I guess the idea is, well, there's going to be another movie where we'll take care of, you know, the Joker getting... he has coming to him but he doesn't in this movie
1: now the opposite I'm hearing is Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, also uh, being highly touted as an award contender will the Oscars be Mr. Rogers versus the Joker good
3: versus evil
1: (laughs) in a world where (laughs) Jokers
3: face men in red sweaters yeah that's that's what it's going to be Mr. Rogers is a fine fine film Uh, it's He's very good, but the filmmaking of the Mister Rogers' movie, "A Beautiful oh, Day in the name, yeah. the name of the film, um, it's set in Pittsburgh, and anyone from Pittsburgh is going to love this film because it is so rooted in Pittsburgh. And and you know how in the beginning of Mister Rogers was the little made little town, like little toy yeah, town yeah. Where the toy cars going by. Well, at the beginning of the movie, the camera pulls back, and all of Pittsburgh is that little toy. Town. Oh wow! And you see the. The funicular going up the side of Mount Washington, and it's a little toy as well. The making of the film, it goes way beyond his performance. It's a really good movie.
1: Give us three other titles from Toronto that you're excited about that are opening in the next two or three months.
3: Uh, Just Mercy, the story of uh, uh, Brian Stevenson, who is the, the, the Alabama civil rights lawyer,
1: true story. Oh, yeah, and um, who plays... With uh, um, ooh, Michael B. Jordan. Oh, right, plays him. wow. And
3: he's he's fantastic. The uh, that th- makes a three-way run for lead actor, best actor, because he will be in the running as well. But Jamie Foxx plays one of the death row inmates that he defends, and his performance is mesmerizing. He's just so restrained and so thoughtful. And that's
1: Just Mercy. Just Mercy
3: opens on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. There you Get go. Get the family together and go watch the movie about the death row inmates. And another movie that's opening in October, very soon, Dolomite is my name.
1: Oh, Dolomite!
3: Dolomite is my name with Eddie Murphy. It's the true story of uh, the guy whose who's, guy whose name escapes me now. I watched the whole movie and thought it was all made up. It was just a fake uh-huh. story about the guy in the nineteen seventies making uh, blaxploitation black exploitation films. Turns out it's an absolutely true story. And even he makes these chintzy old movies, you know, with, with Kung Fu. And, and he's got a beer gut, and he's totally out of shape, but he still casts himself as a, as a Kung Fu guy. I
1: was fishing around on, uh, I think, HBO the other day. And they are offering the Dolomite movie from oh, okay. 1972 or 3. The, the You can see what uh, Eddie is... Uh, yeah. Not parodying. I mean, he's doing the story of this guy's life.
3: Yeah, he's playing the part. But the thing is, Eddie Murphy has never been this funny. Has never been funnier than this. This is wow. this is Eddie Murphy returning to form. This is Eddie. He's a crass, obscene. just Every word comes out as not you couldn't we couldn't utter here in this studio. But he has that lovability that Eddie Murphy always had underneath that, that, that softened it all. He hasn't made a funny movie in maybe 15 years. You know, he was making yeah, those lame yeah. family comedies where he was trying to be a Disney star. He's thrown that away, and this movie maybe this may be the performance that I would the say deserves, deserves best
1: actor. Okay, so let me see if I can summarize here. You and I both like Downton Abbey a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like the performance in Joker, although the movie is kind of hard to take. Uh, We both like Judy We like the performance in Judy Although the story is a little cheesy Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood The Fred Rogers movie is uh, terrific Mm -hmm. And Dolomite is very funny So uh, that's kind of interesting And it sounds like a lot of darkness versus a lot of light
3: It's true And we'll see who wins at Oscar time if anyone wants to be counterculture or not,
1: big big applause Thanks. for Bill Newcott, yeah. our yeah. in-studio guest. Yes. Do I, get lo-
3: do I get a lovely party
1: gift? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we have a, we
3: have a
2: hound radio gift for you <laughs> as Boy. you exit.
1: Speaking of that, you're listening to at the movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz. We come to you from the worldwide headquarters of Katz Podcasting in an underground bunker buried deep. Beneath Bethesda, Maryland, this is the CATS podcasting system. Now, Lou, if you have a question or a comment, uh, do we have an email address? We do, but we we got to make
2: sure somebody's actually out there listening to this thing before they send, <laughs> send us listen? a note. We certainly hope so. You can reach Arch at arch at houndradio.com. Or uh, yours truly, Lou, that's L-O-O at houndradio.com. And we would love to have an email or two
1: or three or four. And tell us about
2: Hound Radio. Well, Hound Radio is an Internet-only radio station, an adult Mm. contemporary music station. And uh, it plays the 70s and the 80s and some current hits. And, oh, like
1: the good old days of Wash yeah,
2: FM. Back, back in the uh, Wash FM heydays yeah. back in Washington, yeah. absolutely. And we do contests, and we have movie screenings, to which you have attended
1: several, of course. Well, yes, indeed. Mr. Are, anything coming up?
2: I'm working on some new stuff for the fall. Oh, yes, that's but good. To be announced. T- and what t- about, t- about
1: t- the official bagel of... <laughs> Hound Radio, and the At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz. Yes, Bethesda Bagels. Are are that, they're our official the, bagel.
2: They are the official bagel of Hound Radio, and uh, coming soon we'll be going out to offices in the Washington metro area delivering uh, free bagels from uh, uh, Bethesda Bagels, so we'll look forward to that. And the details like will be coming that. up on our website at houndradio.com, and of course you'll hear more about it right here during our podcast. You think
1: you could drop a dozen of those off? Yeah. At the office of At The Movies. A little, little extra cream cheese, please. <laughs> Tomatoes.
0: You're listening to At The Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands.
2: We are back and we are ready for the, the feature of features. Oh, yes. This one has all of Washington not talking about it. <laughs> it's another edition of Ask Arch. Oh, Ask Arch. Where yes. you, the listener, get to ask <laughs> your questions. So, here we go. We start out now. With Who our very have we first heard horn.
1: from this week? Let's have see. there
2: been many... Uh... I have uh, Latanya Horn. Oh. Latanya Horn of LaT- Arlington. I knew a Latanya Horn. Well, I wonder did. if it's the same person. Now, anyway, uh, Latanya writes, Arch, yes. can you name the
1: two seasons Ooh. in Canada? Can you name the two seasons... In Canada. That they have in Canada, right. Bill Newcott is in the studio. Bill, do you have any idea of the two seasons in? Uh, you um, know, this Frank, is, Frankie Valley is uh, one I can I don't know. The, the two seasons in Canada are July and winter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Latonya. Please leave a nice tip after you've listened to the podcast. <laughs> That's right. All right. Let me open uh, up another one here. Good all right. Uh, Our next right. letter, let me yes. see here. Uh, Ooh, from we God heard? Godfrey Daniel. Oh, Godfrey Daniel, I remember him. Of, of Skagsville, Maryland. Skagsville, mm-hmm. lovely place. He writes, Arch, can yes.
2: you name a bird that doesn't need a
1: comb? A bird that doesn't need a comb. No. A bird that does you know, a lot of birds have a comb on top, you know, like a rooster mm-hmm. has that tuft of feathers on the top. But some birds. Don't need a comb. The bird that doesn't need a comb <laughs> is a bald eagle.
3: <laughs> yeah, I stuck yeah. around for this.
1: Uh, hey, yeah. Oh. He came
3: in all the way from the <laughs> eastern <laughs> shore,
2: <laughs> schlepped all the way in to hear these. All the right, only we have full head of hair in here. Belongs to Lou. All right, one more here. Oh, uh, yes. Who else? Ah, who who wrote it? Angus Lamont. Ah, Angus Lamont. Yet again. Yeah, which which Angus? Though there's so many. This is Angus Lamont the fifth. Oh, Angus the fifth of Chevy Chase, (laughs) Maryland. Still
1: living in Chevy Chase. Still there. Still Uh paying those high taxes. (laughs) Hmm. All right. Angus Lamont, I've been called on to answer a lot of questions today. This has been kind of a difficult. Yeah, I know you can handle run it, though. Here we go. Of Ask Arch. Angus says, "A hey, Arch, why do hummingbirds?
2: Mm-hmm. Why
1: do hummingbirds hum? Do hummingbirds hum? <laughs> because they can't remember the words." <laughs>
2: Send those checks to
1: Arch Campbell, um. care of. <laughs> I, I want to thank our in-studio guest, Bill Newcott of the Saturday Evening Post.
3: This has been my pleasure, Arch. And Lou, thanks so much for...
1: <laughs> and Lou, always great being with you. Ditto, I feel the same yeah. way. And you know, we like to end with a little uh, blurb of music, so I thought it'd be nice to listen to Renee Zellweger's take on Judy Garland's signature song, and uh, sung as part of a tremendous performance by Renee Zellweger and Judy. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend.
0: Somewhere Over the rainbow We are come true Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me Where troubles melt like lemon drops away above our chimney tops That's where you find me somewhere over the rainbow. Blue birds fly, birds fly over the rainbow. Why then a why? Beyond the rainbow. The movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands comes to you by way of the Katz Podcasting System. Katz, America's number one name in delicatessens, Broadway musicals, and podcasting.